And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Totally Football League show. Fulham's latest Magnificent Seven dwarfs Rotten Reading. Chris Maguire wraps up the Troll of the Year title in January. And we look ahead to the weekend. Terriers versus Swans. The BBD Championship farewell tour? Question mark. And a top of the table tussle in League Two. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Powell. Hey listener, hope you're well. Uh, Matt Davis-Adams here to talk through all the news and notes in the EFL. I am joined by Adrian Clark. Hello everyone. And Joby McEnough's back with us too. Hi Joby. Hi Matt, hi everyone. We'll be checking in on Derby later, but first let's discuss some of those midweek results. There's only one place we can start. Fulham now just a point behind leaders Bournemouth with a game in hand after they thumped, sorry, Reading 7-0 on Tuesday. Kearney for Fulham, lovely ball forward for Muniz, and he's turned Tom Holmes, left him on his backside, goes for goal, keepers parried it out, it's seven, it's Alexander Mitrovic, and there it is Jamie, I think that's one of the record books, I'll be amazed if that's happened, certainly in recent history, Alexander Mitrovic there with a tap in, and that was lovely work from Rodrigo Muniz. Uh, Joe B, it's not a very intellectual question, but just how mad is it for a team to win 7-0 away from home twice in a season? Yeah, that is the the crazy good side of things. I think from Fulham's point of view, I think we've seen on previous occasions how much firepower they've got and how ruthless they can be. I think you've seen over the years where maybe teams get three or four ahead and almost, you know, hit the cruise switch, but they seem to go into overdrive and smelt blood. And I think it was a bit of a, a bad combination of them being very, very good and catching Redden at a time where they're really you know, having a difficult moment and a lot of young players out there. And yeah, not a good night for Reading, certainly, obviously a, a former club of mine and, and sad to see them in the, the predicament they find themselves in. But I think for Fulham, a massive, massive shot in the arm and another signal of, of how dangerous they're going to be between now and the end of the season. And Joby mentions that ruthlessness, Adrian, and that that is obviously always a good thing, but particularly in a league so close, never know, it might come down to goal difference. Fulham's currently 18 better than Bournemouth, so only Man City's is better in the top four divisions. It's a good shout, yeah, absolutely, especially with um, yeah West Brom still still in the mix, obviously with the signing of DK and Blackburn Rovers not going away at the moment. It, it's tightened up, hasn't it? And yeah, it could come down to that come the end of the season so yeah they're fantastic aren't they going forward I do like that ruthless side to Fulham I was there when they did it to Nottingham Forest actually it was a it was a wholly unjust hammering that they dished out of the city ground but 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 they they did it and they, and they really really reveled in in rubbing the opposition's nose in it and they did it to a Reading side that are absolutely on their knees at the moment, to to lose seven nil on the back of going out of the FA Cup to Kidderminster Harriers, it's just the the week to end all weeks, and and yeah, the only surprise I think is that Velko Panovic is 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 still in charge of Reading. I, I thought that might be the tipping point. Yeah, I think you, after the the result in the cup, there's a lot of fans saying hopefully that's our rock bottom. I don't think many thought it could get much worse than that. And certainly it has done. I think that's the big question now over Paunovic. Have they got to a point where they feel that a change is the only way to try and improve things, whether it's the mood in and around the group in terms of the players? They look like a defeated group in terms of, you know, that lack of fight that we saw, you know, and I think they're the real warning signs for a manager um, when you see some of the goals they conceded uh, the other night. So there'll be big questions around that that club this week. I've got a lot of sympathy with Paunovic in terms of the hand he's been dealt, injuries, you know, COVID situation hasn't helped the club. But when you lose a game 7-0, eyebrows are going to be raised. 
Yeah, I guess it's whether they can afford to sack him and bring somebody else in as well. Uh, shout out for those two unbelievable disallowed Andy Carroll goals. Spectacular stuff. Uh, final line on this game, Fulham-wise, Cyrus Christie has joined Swansea on loan till the end of the season. If we dip into League One, stunning result at the Stadium of Light. Struggling Lincoln beat second place Sunderland by three goals to one. This was the Chris Maguire revenge show released by Sunderland last summer. Scored all three of the Imps goals in this one. Wasn't shy in letting Lee Johnson know about it. Uh, I quite enjoyed it, Adrian. I've got to be honest. It, it, it's it's sort of the sort of thing that you want in football, no? Somebody to show a bit of character or did he take it too far? I thought he was. I thought he acted like a knob. If I'm being honest, um, <laughs> I just, yeah, he showed the respect and he tried to give it the 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 you know hands in the air. I'm not going to celebrate. And then he remembered that he he had to rub Lee Johnson's nose in it. I don't know. I, don't, I suppose it's funny if you're him or if you're some Lincoln fans. They probably don't care about that particular beef. Um, for everyone else in the stadium, it's just winding them up, isn't it? I, I thought Lee Johnson did very well not to take a swing at him, by the way. <laughs> he sort of got up in his grill, didn't he? And and he, he stared him down. I, I quite like the way that, that Johnson reacted to that. But um, yeah, I, I would have preferred him to stay classy. But just, he's just one of those characters, I think, Chris Maguire. I think he just, um, yeah, he, he acts up a little bit and, and likes to be the villain. And I think he was the... The, the pantomime sort of star of the show. He's a great player, really inconsistent, but on his day, he's got a great shot on him. We know that. And, 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 he, and he, yeah, he had his night and good luck to him. But I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love that behavior, to be honest. I've got to be honest, Clark, I don't know about you, but it's something that I would have loved to have done as a player against one of my old managers. I never quite got to that point. I always managed to kind of rein it. And you could see for a moment where he was thinking, I don't want to upset the fans. But it clearly was a personal issue. And you do get that in the game where, you know, it is just one man's decision sometimes as to why you're not playing or getting released. So I think he just, something came over him. Um, I think it was more of an attack against Lee Johnson rather than the football club. I thought what was really funny was after that, and obviously he started getting booed. After the second goal, again, he sort of was like, oh no, I can't celebrate. I'm thinking, mate, you've gone way over now in terms of <laughs> what should be done and shouldn't be done. It's a bit late now to not celebrate. You should have just gone the whole hog and just celebrated the second and the third goal. But um, yeah, I, I think it was a bit borderline, but I can certainly see why he's done it. Um, and as I say, maybe yeah. now that I've finished my career, it's something I would have liked to have done myself. <laughs> I would have loved to have done it to one specific manager. Um, yeah, Stevenage, Wayne Turner. I'd love to have done it to him, but yeah, I just I wouldn't have had the bottle to do it. I don't think just wasn't really in my in my nature to to do that kind of kind of thing. But you've been a manager, Joe, dude, and you know it's difficult. How difficult it is to make decisions, you know, on on selection, on on contracts and stuff, etc. It's it's there are there are a myriad of reasons why a player is either released or or sort of not not used. It's 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 not always personal, is it? And it doesn't have to end in that kind of acrimonious way so uh, I mean Lee Johnson said afterwards look you have to make tough decisions in football and, and obviously he's held that against against me yeah I think when you look at Maguire after the game himself he said it was more to do with the the whole last six months really and, and not wanting things to end the way that they did and again without being privy to what happened on a day-to-day basis you never know exactly what went on so listen it's something that will stay between them I'm sure but certainly for now I mean, football is a funny old game and it does have a way of coming back to haunt you at times. So at the moment, um, you know, I'm sure he'd been happy with his his day's performance. But overall, I'm sure for Sunderland and, and Lee Johnson, there's bigger battles to come. Uh, what a week it's been for Wickham. Not only did they win 2-0 at Bolton to move within a point of Sunderland, but they've sold out the car park again this weekend for the game against Oxford. Uh, Joby, we talk a lot about Wickham's home form, but but just one defeat in nine on the road for them. That, that's almost being equally as uh, as important for them. Oh, absolutely. You know, they've got the, the second best away record now, only we're going to better on the road. And I think the way that they set up, you know, they are almost made for that. I think you look at that game in particular against Bolton, probably a, a Wickham game that they would have really enjoyed, you know, less possession, 
you know, Bolton shots. And it's just a matter of going, being solid, being hard to beat. All the qualities that we know, you know, Gareth Ainsworth wants to instill in his squad and the players and their mentality. I think they see those games as that's a bit of us, you know, going away from home and, and rolling up our sleeves, digging in at times, you know, and making sure that they come out on the right side of it. And that's what makes them so effective, so hard to play against. Listen, they've also got a very good home record as well. So, you know, I think they go hand in hand and they're just a real difficult team to play against. So no surprises, certainly from me. And I think a lot of people around League One as to how well Wickham have done so far this season under Gareth Ainsworth. Bolton though, Clarky, we we spoke a couple of weeks ago about whether they were in a relegation scrap. They are now, aren't they? Three points above it, four defeats on the spin, one win in seven. Yeah, they have to be considered in it. I think over the course of the last 12 games, only Gillingham have had less points than, than Bolton. So yeah, they're, they're the second worst team in terms of form. Ian Everett was quoted after this game as saying the lads are devoid of confidence at the moment. So I mean, that's that, you know that's that's honest, but but it's it's not a great sign. Um, so yeah, they, they've got they've got problems at the moment. It's just been a strange season for them. What with two of their more experienced players, Doyle and, and Sarsovic, leaving midway through the campaign, not in either window. It's it's just a bit a, a bit bizarre, really. Um, well, actually, Doyle left in this window at the start, but just midway through the season, it's just it's just a bit of an odd situation. Just a quick tip of the hat to Gethin Jones, who came on in the second half. I don't know if you're aware of this. He played for the reserves earlier in the day, which I thought was uh, was uh, a, a great effort. So he played for the reserves against Accrington. Um, Ian Everett was watching it, thought he looked really good. So took him off at half time and said, you're on the bench tonight. And he brought him on as well. So yeah, two games in one day for, for Gethin Jones. And then he went and presented the one show afterwards, presumably. Uh, no, that's a different Gethin Jones, isn't it? Um, MK Dons beat Wimbledon. By a goal to nil. Uh, Joby, as a a Wimbledon boy, has enough water passed under the bridge now or or are you still kind of not a big fan of MK, to put it politely? Um, I'll be honest, I'm really conflicted because at a time where we were all youngsters, we were kind of sort of 18, 19, 20 in and around the first team. It was our first club and we did what we were told. So we were part of that move, of course, to MK. We played at the hockey stadium to start with. And listen, I can absolutely get um, the, the the core base and the, and the real Wimbledon fans' anger. Um, and as I've got older, I've certainly probably come to realise that a little bit more and understood that a little bit more than I probably did at the time as a young lad who was just playing football, just wanted to play football. We got told we're moving to Milton Keynes. Right, that's it. We go to Milton Keynes and we play. But no, I think it's something that's always going to cut quite deep. Um, I think one thing I would say for, for Wimbledon fans is just, and I know it's difficult in that rivalry, sometimes just take a step back because I don't think that they get enough credit for how well they've done, you know, from where they came from, literally started from scratch, work their way up. And the fact that they're actually at the same stage and in the same league, for me, is a, a massive achievement for them. And that's the one thing I'd always hold on to. I think we're moving to the point now where it's good to have rivalries. Listen, I think that's important. There's always a nice edge to the game. But yeah, I think we're getting to the point now where the, the two clubs are very, very much established in their own rights now. And I think that's a, a good thing to to move forward with. Uh, Wednesday night saw Crew beat Charlton by two goals to one. Alex Gilby tweeted an apology to the travelling fans. He said last night wasn't good enough. Clark, it can't just be as simple as a case if you give the guy who was a brilliant caretaker the job permanently and the results slide, can it? No, I don't think so. No, he hasn't suddenly um, <laughs> become a bad manager. It's yeah, it's um, hard to put your finger on it though, isn't it? And it must be immensely frustrating for for Johnny Jackson. Um, <sighs> What's happened to to change things? I think he's lost his striker, hasn't he? Jaden Stockley's not been available. So I think that makes a difference. He's got Connor Washington and Lecco. And Lecco, for me, can play out front, but is 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 more of a natural winger. So it's it's sort of he's winging it a little bit up there. Maybe doesn't have certainly doesn't have the presence of a, a Jaden Stockley. Um the other thing I noticed in this game was um and he's been really bold, hasn't he, Johnny Jackson, with using um, Jai Samey as a as a wing back, who is much more of an attack minded player, and it worked great at first, and and they were con- you know they were they were breaking at pace, and, and and he was super effective, but for the goal against Crew, the crucial opening goal, 
he, he switches off completely, like I would have done if I, when I, if I played at wing back. He's just not always as tuned in as natural defenders, and he just lets lets the guy sort of come uh, drift inside him, and from the rebound he doesn't react at all, and and the guy just just has his has a little tap in. It's, it's little moments like that 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 can make the difference. So Johnny Jackson might just look at that and think, you know what, maybe we need to just play it a little bit safer in the short term just to, to build more of a platform. Um, but yeah, they need to take their chances. I think I think that's been the story of the last few weeks. They've not taken them. Meanwhile, in League 2, Mansfield beat fellow playoff hopeful Swindon 3-2 at Field Mill. Joby, can I interest you in a ticket for my annual Mansfield are going up tour yet? 24 points from a possible 27? <laughs> every year. Well, every year. Yeah, I was going to say, they've got to say you've got to buy a ticket to win the lottery, haven't you? And obviously, if you keep buying one, eventually... Chances are uh, you might be in with a shout. And I think that's kind of where I feel Mansfield are. Again, a team I came up against, you know, a few times in League Two. And there just always seemed to be something missing. It was just a weird club, a weird atmosphere. They never quite got the runs going that they felt they were going to. And a lot of early season favourite tips that never quite materialised. And this season looked like it could be going completely the opposite. Um, and they've obviously found their way you know, on a real good run, won eight out of the last nine games, which is incredible at any stage of the season in any of the leagues. It's a, a real tough division, but looks as though they've got that key, key thing going into the new year, which is momentum, you know? And I think when you have that allied with quality, which they have got in the squad, Jordan Bowery's been good recently, you know, to name one player, but he, I think, sums Mansfield up a little bit on his day, can be really, really good but probably not consistent enough. What they have found recently is that consistency and they're certainly a team banging form. And actually, Clarky, we, we've spoken a lot about how COVID disruptions affect teams. I wonder if it's been the opposite for Mansfield because because of their postponements, this was the fifth of six games in all comps at home. That, that's got to be an advantage. Yeah, it's given them that leg up, hasn't it? Obviously, it's only good if you win those games, um, and they but they have, haven't they? So... Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good point. And, and when you've got momentum and got that extra confidence and you have a run of home fixtures, it is a nice cocktail to have. You can you can find it easier to, to go and blow teams away, to get into that rhythm, the familiar surroundings and whatnot. Yeah, it's it's been a fantastic run. 4-4-2 diamonds seems to suit them. And yeah, Bowery's a good player. Reese Oates, that was a great run, wasn't it, on the counter-attack? To win the penalty, um, absolutely superb stuff from him. So, yeah, there'll be a, a Maris, I think, deserves a, a bit of credit. George Maris, um, cracking early goal from, from him as well. So, yes, yeah, so things are looking up for Mansfield, but we have been here before, as you well know, Matt. I think I just wanted to say, if there's any neutrals out there looking for goals in games and you're anywhere near Mansfield or wherever they're playing... Yeah. Yeah. In the next few weeks, get to a game, 24 goals in the last six games. They've had four free twos. They've won three of them, lost one in the cup. But um, certainly absolute goal fest anytime they're on the pitch at the moment. So good, good value as well to watch. Forest Green Rovers beat Colchester by two goals to nil. The sort of comfortable home win befitting of champions. We'll talk more about FGR later. Uh, Joby, you played with Hayden Mullins at West Ham. Are you backing him to turn this situation around for, for Colchester? Uh, in a word, yes. Um, I think he has had a tough job. I thought when he took over, it was going to be difficult when you look at, particularly in an attacking sense, players that they lost in the summer, Giovanni Brown, Kwame Poku, even Courtney Senior, real good attacking, creative players. Um, Harry Pell is another massive one in terms of middle of the park and you know he's gone on and, and done well himself. So I think it was always going to be difficult. They've tried to replace them with probably more senior players, I would say. Maybe haven't quite got that balance right yet. But I think that experience, when you look through that team, the likes of, of Luke Chambers, Charlie Daniels, you know, Freddie Sears has obviously come in, Frank Nublay. I feel they have enough to stay up, um, certainly. And I'd, I'd certainly back Hayden to, to get enough points to stay up. I still think it's going to be a bit of a slog, but I feel like they'll have just about enough to, to survive. 1-1 uh, between Salford and Tranmere. Uh, Tranmere have signed Kane Hemmings. You like that, Clarky? I do, yeah. Kane Hemmings has been a good servant, hasn't he, to, to Burton. He signed off with a, a stunning goal, didn't he? I think it was in the game against Crewe. Lovely volley. Just lashed it over the goalkeeper into the into the top corner. And, and they've obviously paid a bit of money for him, which is obviously 
quite unusual these days in the, in the lower leagues. So Tranmere, I think the the missing link for Tranmere has been goals. They've scored a few more of late, of course, but but yeah, I, they probably needed a forward with a bit more experience, a bit more pedigree at this level. And and I think Kane Hemmings dropping down a division, obviously from from League One into into League Two, ticks a lot of boxes really for for Mickey Mellon's Tranmere. So yeah, I think that's a that's a decent acquisition, and it it might make the difference. They're they're knocking on the door already for the automatics, but if they if they're going to score more goals, Tranmere. I think they'll cruise their way to to a top three finish. Okay, next up today, we're going to take a look at some of the news that's broken since last we spoke. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporter Support Line. We're talking to Arsenal fan Dave about his New Year's resolutions. How's the 10,000 steps going, Dave? Yeah, it's going great, thanks. The 50 push-ups? Every day. And how about moaning less about Arsenal? Well, oh, seriously, mate, we need to sign a new midfielder if we want top four. And don't get me started on Liverpool postponing that cup. Game. Being a football fan isn't always rewarding. But if it's rewards you're after, this Sunday you can get a completely free £5 bet builder on the North London derby. Paddy Power. Pretty much online bet builder bets only. Max one free £5 bet per customer. Minimum two legs. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 you're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, Oldham Athletic are up for sale in the medium term. This is according to their owner. Lems again, finally reading the room on that one. Uh, his team won't be playing this weekend due to COVID slash injuries. Their match with Orient is postponed. Andrew Curran, who's the face of Morton House, who's been trying to buy Rochdale, has been suspended immediately from all football and football-related activity for 63 days, up to and including Wednesday the 14th of March, and ordered to complete a mandatory education course following a breach of FA Rule E3, being rude to a match official. Uh, That is much to the delight of all Dale fans. Uh, Elsewhere, Bristol City, Borough and Stoke all looking like they're potentially in trouble in terms of being on the wrong side of the EFL's profit and sustainability cycle. Bristol City Chief Exec Richard Gold quoted in the Telegraph as saying, maybe we'll just take the points. Uh, Another interesting line from the story, City and a host of rivals in the league now appear increasingly likely to back a salary cap system broadly along the lines that were introduced in Leagues 1 and League 2. What do you make of that, Adrian? Because you had some strong thoughts on it when it came in in uh, League 1 and League (laughs) 2. I don't know. Yeah, it's... um... Well, it was rejected for a reason, wasn't it? And and yeah, it, it just... I think there are a lot of other areas of football and finance that maybe need to be in place before before we get to that. Um, personally, I, on this particular issue, it feels quite harsh that, that the COVID-related... Cha- the changes to the financial landscape of clubs um, has been dramatic and it's been out of their hands because of the pandemic. So for these clubs that are on the wrong end of, of, of sort of the collapse of the transfer um, system, for them to now be you know staring at huge, huge losses, I think is quite harsh. So I'd like a little bit more leeway, to be honest, from, from the EFL. I know that the UEFA, UEFA are exploring some new rules, aren't they? Looking at uh, other gauges of sort of sustainability rather than profit lines, just looking at, at what clubs spend on wages and, and, and sort of... Um, yeah, finding finding a balance there because I just don't like the idea of uh, a huge club in a division like a Sunderland, you know, being capped, uh, you know, at the same sort of level as as a, as a Burton. It just it just doesn't make sense to me. I think it should be based on on your levels of income. Also, Joe, be totally impractical in the Championship, isn't it? Because the teams who get relegated from the Premier League, they're, they're not going to be able to to slash their wage bills that dramatically. No, not at all. And again, when you lump in parachute payments with that as well, there's already a big disparity anyway. But I think even more so for, again, it's, for me, it's it's to do with the size of the club. I look at it, again, from a, a playing point of view. If you're a player, even if you're in League One and you're at one of the, the smaller clubs and you're trying to do well, of course, for that club, first and foremost, whether it's to get promotion, stay up, whatever it is. But you've always got aspirations of going to big clubs and playing instead of maybe 3,000 fans for 20,000 fans. And, you know, if that club can sustain, of course, a a higher budget. And again, I'm all for regulation in terms of how clubs spend their money because we've seen some outrageous situations where they are living beyond their means. But certainly why can or can't a Sunderland, for example, pay 
a lot more to a player who's done really well at a club that is a, at a lot smaller club. And then that shouldn't really be a penalty for them, in my opinion. And certainly for us as players, you want to try and go as high as you can, play as high as you can. And again, without saying it's all about the money, that is, you know, one factor playing for Sunderland carries a lot of exp- uh, pressure, you know, by which by getting that enhanced contract, that's part of playing for those teams. So yeah, for me, I don't think it should be a blanket thing across the league. I think it should be based on your income. Um, and I think that would be a lot more in line with what players would want as well, which is going to be important. Yeah, I just think, yeah, completely agree with everything uh, Joby just said. I just think with these these clubs staring at points, penalties next season, it's just really messy. It'd be a messy way, wouldn't it, to, to kick off next season. I, I don't personally feel as if in these situations the clubs have tried to to push the boundaries overly. They've just been victims of the circumstance as much as, as just you know stretching themselves as much as they can. Uh, well, speaking of teams, you've had points deductions. Next up, we're talking Derby with the Athletics Derby County writer, Elias Burke. What's the latest with the takeover then, Elias? Is Mike Ashley serious about this? Well, Mike Ashley does appear probably to be in pole position, actually. You know, they're still in the pr- procedure with administration now that they've got to pronounce announce um, a preferred bidder. It seems to be between two people, or two consortiums rather, one of them being Mike Ashley's and another one being from Andy Appleby, who actually previously owned Derby before. Um, it appears that Mike Ashley's bid, well, he's preparing a bid in the region of £50 million, um, and that seems to be the highest at the moment. So if anyone is to go is going to be buying Derby County in the very near future, it appears most likely to be Mike Ashley. There's still a long way to go, though. There's still issues of, as you've probably seen with the football creditors. So Wickham and, and Middlesbrough, they've got claims currently against against Derby, which seems like a pretty significant um, stumbling block that they need to try and get past. Whether that's going to happen before the preferred bid is announced or after, we, we're not sure yet. Um, but there's still, as I say, there's a long way to go. Um, but there does appear to be making some kind of progress, which is obviously a massive positive, especially going into the Jenny transfer window where so many of the players might be kind of linked away and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, my stepdad is a Derby fan. Hi, Mike. Uh, he is of the opinion that a Mike Ashley takeover wouldn't be the worst thing in the world purely because somebody needs to buy the club quickly. And, and he's not alone in that thought, isn't it? It's, it's kind of almost anyone will do at this stage. Well, yeah, I think initially Mike Ashley's name was brought up first in like October time. And this is when, you know, Derby had recently been announced, been announced into administration and, you know, lots of people get their names kind of thrown into the mix and that kind of thing. And, and Mike Ashley's one, obviously, because of his time at Newcastle, lots of football fans weren't particularly kind of happy with, with that because obviously he's, you know, the, the ending was pretty acrimonious on, on that aspect. But as I say, as, as the process kind of drags on a little further and we're going into January now, and obviously, as I mentioned before, there's, this play has been linked away and whatnot. You know, they, they just really need to try and get this process kind of sorted as soon as possible. And if you look at Mike Ashley, obviously, you know, on Newcastle perspective, he's they might not say he's kind of a football guy, but, you know, he, he's he, they're in the Premier League for, I don't know, over a decade, you know, altogether from when he, when he first took the to the ownership. And they had some successful years. Obviously, there wasn't a great deal of investment in the playing staff or the infrastructure, which was obviously a bit concerning. But as you say, it's just a case of trying to get someone in as soon as possible. Yeah, I'd be interested to know the views of Derby County fans. I'm sure you'll be in the process of sort of trying to gauge gauge that yourself. From from the administrator's point of view, do they have to take anything like that into consideration, or is it simply a case of the highest highest bid wins wins the club? I mean, how how does how does that process? work is there any consideration for what the the fans themselves would prefer probably not uh is is the the truth of the, of the matter really for they were put in place to try and get the best deal for the creditors and to try and move the club outside of, outside of administration and the highest bid that they get obviously it's got to be a sensible one that passes all of the financial um the owners the owners and directors tests and and, and such but you know as long as someone passes those tests and proves himself to be a viable owner then the case for the administration is to just try and get the debts paid and, and try and, you know, sort Derby out of administration and back into liquidity again. 
Just wanted a quick question about players that are out of contract in January, the likes of Phil Jagielka. Is that dependent on somebody coming in and getting that takeover completed before they can re-sign? Because obviously he's been a massive part of it. And again, moving forward. So just a little bit of information around that and, and what the situation is for those types of players there. Yeah, so there are two. There are Phil Jagielka and, and Sam Bulldock. I spoke to Wayne Rooney actually last week. They, they'd be out of contract very soon. Wayne Rooney's very kind of, um, he's, his next step in in the process is trying to get them assigned as soon as possible because especially Phil Jagielka, Sam Bulldock's had an impact. He scored some goals, but he's kind of suffered with injuries a fair bit. But Phil Jagielka, as I said, he's been essential to Derby's kind of success this season. He, his partnership with, with Curtis Davis has been the bedrock, essentially, of all the positive things that have come out of, of Derby, at least on the pitch. So he's really trying to get those signed. Um, as of right now, you know they they haven't had those contracts signed, but that's something that they really hope to do within the next couple of days. And and on the basis of whether it's dependent on the preferred bidders, as of as of last week, Rain Rooney was pretty confident that even without the preferred bidders, which he was confident would happen pretty soon, also um, they'll be able to get those contracts signed. And that relationship between Curtis Davis and, and Jagielka is the subject of your latest piece. I know, Ellis. We can we can hear a little bit of Curtis Davis, friend of the show here, talking about how those two have formed such an important partnership. When he came in, obviously neither of us knew if we were going to sign. Um, the club actually didn't have any centre halves on the book, so we didn't know what was going to happen. But I think the fact that both of us signed almost helped one another because even though we're we're both on the on the senior side of the table. Um, our experience has allowed us to help each other out and, and it almost becomes automatic between the two of us because of that, that know-how. And I think um, that touch with that's what's, what's helped us this season form that solid base and we just rely on everyone else to go out and score the goals. Uh, Elias, before we let you go, let, let's say that Derby do get bought out this season. What chance do you give them of, if any, of pulling off the, the greatest of great escapes? Do you think it's possible? Well, there you go. It is. It is the would be the greatest of greatest escapes in English football history. You know, minus one, minus twenty one points deductions. We've never seen anything like that in the Championship. Actually, there's one player in the Derby side, Craig Forsyth, that's um that survived a twenty five point deduction before in in Scot in the Scottish Premier League. Actually, the Scottish Premiership uh, with Dundee. I think that was about a decade ago. So there's at least there's some kind of experience of going through situations like that before in the camp. <laughs> which, you know, might serve as some kind of encouragement. But, I mean, they can't really do much more than what they've done recently. Uh, Ten points out of their last four matches. Um, You know, confidence is high. Players are playing well. You know, players are stepping up from the academies. Um, You know, the senior players, as I say, Curtis Davis, Phil Dragielka, they're continuing to perform. And right now, Wayne Rooney in the squad, I mean, they can only just look around at at the players and, and see what they've got. And they've got a great team spirit. They've got a great camaraderie between the group. Because they're going to be any, you know, Derby group or any team in the Championship to stay up after everything they've gone through. It's going to be Derby, you'd think. So, I mean, there's just a lot of encouragement around the club at the moment. And they're certainly looking ahead and thinking, you know, the impossible task is probably now more like improbable. Improbable, but still possible. Very, very quickly, Elias, if you were to grade Wayne Rooney... And you've seen his team, you've seen him in action, you've spoken to him a lot. If you were to grade him out of 10 for his performance this season, what would you give him? I'd say a nine. You know, it hasn't been perfect, but he's he's almost done as much as he possibly could have. Elias Burke there, read him only in The Athletic. Uh, plenty of EFL content on there at the moment, by the way, including a long read on Exeter's local hero, Adam Stansfield, and the work his family are doing in his honour. There are also reads on West Brom's hopeful hero, Daryl DK, and our sartorial hero, Huddersfield boss, Carlos Corberan. And if you're not yet a subscriber, it's very easy. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com slash league show to get a third off the price of a subscription. All right, next today, we're looking ahead to what's ahead in the EFL. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Let's preview a couple of games in the championship. Then we'll start with Cardiff versus Blackburn, one of two early kickoffs in the championship this Saturday. This one will be Sands fans, what with it being in Wales. On Cardiff, JB, Steve Morrison, I'm sure he'd rather league points than, than cup wins. Could have done without extra time last weekend, but at least it gives them something positive to build on. No wins in four before that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, listen, they drew against West Brom, you know, prior to that. So I think he'd be trying to reinforce all those positives. Certainly winning games, whatever the competition is, the best thing to try and get that confidence in. I think particularly after a, a pretty promising start to his tenure, um, maybe that bounce factor sort of slid away a little bit. And it's that's the next challenge for managers that come in, whether you're interims or even new managers. If you had that initial bounce, how do you get that back after, you know, a little poor run of form? I've got to be honest, I've got some concerns over they've obviously lost Ryan Giles, which I think is a massive, massive blow for them. He was so important earlier in the season with not just his assists, obviously, you know, a huge number nine so far this season, but just consistency. And I think that's something that Cardiff have, have really lapped at times this season. And then the other thing is the amount of goals they concede. And I sort of started having a little look through and you're trying to look through the last time they kept a clean sheet, had to go all the way back to August to find one. They've only kept one the whole of this season, which is the worst in the league. So I think that's something they really need to, address very very quickly because and listen it's the simplest thing in football you cannot win games if you keep conceding and certainly from their point of view they're going to have to address that you know to to try and make sure they steer clear of what is going to be a really tight battle I think down the bottom of the table. Rovers wise then 4-4-2 claiming that Real Madrid and Barcelona are both in the race for Ben Brereton Diaz. Uh, Rovers though three points off top spot Coming into this one, 23 points from a possible 27 since that 7-0 defeat against Fulham. Heavy favourites here, Adrian. Got to be, yeah. I think they'll go there to win as well. Cardiff have got the worst home record in the Championship, only only seven points there. So, so yeah, this is is one they'll target three points from, no doubt about it. (laughs) How amazing would that be? Brereton Diaz ends up at the new camp (laughs) on the Bernabeu. That would just be... Yeah, sort of top off this this fairy tale, wouldn't it? I, I I think that's unlikely, if I'm being honest. What what I love about Blackburn is the settled eleven that they've got. The three four one two formation seems kind of set in stone as well with Tony Mowbray at the moment. Yeah, they're they're playing with great confidence, aren't they? They'll they'll be fuming, I think, at the way that they went out of the FA Cup to Wigan. That was a that was a bit of a blow, but. But yeah, they're, they're, they're an exciting team. They just need to spread the goals out, I would say, a little bit more. Obviously, Brereton Diaz is the talisman. Nothing wrong with that. But I think Gallagher's got five. Kadra and Dolan have got three. And then everyone else is sort of on twos and ones. Just need a few more goals from elsewhere. And I'll tell you what, this kick starts a, a sort of road trip month for Blackburn Rovers. Six of their next eight matches are away from Ewood Park. So I think we'll, if Blackburn are still right in the mix for promotion on the back of this run, then we really have to take them seriously. Huddersfield Town versus Swansea City. Terriers versus Swans. Probably a closer contest than you might assume that in the animal kingdom. Terriers, nippy little Who'd pest. Who do you fancy? A swan can break a person's arm. Well, I was going to ask swan, you. I, a swan I, would take a terrier. A swan would take a terrier. Yeah, I think so. Week. Yeah, I mean, if a, if a terrier can get an early bite on a swan's leg, that would be big. But I think uh, other than that, swans, there's quite a lot of them where I live uh, and my dog is absolutely petrified of them. So I'm, I'm back in a swan. I've got to say, I'm back in a swan. Um, <laughs> this is not what you came for, listener, is it, really? So let's talk about Huddersfield instead, Joby. Six unbeaten in the league, in the final playoff place. What, what's in their favour to, to maintain or even improve on that on that current position? I think a lack of expectation from anybody outside Huddersfield, if I'm being honest, when you look at a lot of the clubs that are vying for those playoff places. 
I certainly didn't see Huddersfield being where they were, you know, off the back of last season. Um, and even off the back of some recent, as I say recent, but I've covered their game against Coventry and, and they were poor. I felt like the fans were starting to turn. It was a little bit negative tactically from Carlos Corbran. He wants to keep the ball and, and, and dominate possession, yes. But I just felt like, and the times I've seen them on a few occasions, it was a little bit slow, a bit pedestrian at times. And they were on the verge, I felt, of maybe going the other way, the fans. But since then, you know, they've been on a fantastic run. They've scored goals, which again has been a big factor. There were so many times that they took the leading games and didn't go on and capitalise and win them because maybe of that negative tactical uh, thought process and not going to kill games off. So that's certainly something that's helped. I think he's had to rebuild defensively. Horrendous record last season uh, conceded by far and away the most goals in the championship but I look at coaches I look at you know good signs he went out and he identified that you know there were obviously issues he wants to play out he wants to be expansive and he went out and he made some really good signings Tom Lees Matty Pearson Levi Colwell has been a real standout performer young lad on loan from Chelsea um, who's been exceptional for them this season and again, Josh Caroma has been a good sign and someone I know well. Sorba Thomas has had a real breakout season this year. So in terms of recruitment, you know, massive pat on the back to everybody there. And they seem now like a club with an identity and a direction where for a few years, you know, off the back of the relegation and they lost their way a little bit. So massive credit to him and they're certainly heading in the right direction. Whether they can sustain it or not, I'm still not convinced, but uh, again, there's not a lot of expectation on them and I think that could help them in the running. Real surprise, Adrian, when you look at the league table and think there's 13 points between these teams, you wouldn't have thought that that would have been in, in Huddersfield's favourite at the start of the season. It was always likely to be a betting-in campaign, I suppose, for, for Russell Martin, but it's been pretty disappointing. I mean, this will be their first league game since the 11th of December, but recent matches, lost last three, not looking like there's that much progress or is that harsh? No, they've been inactive, haven't they? So you can't climb the table when you don't play. So so they've been gradually slipping down, haven't they? 17th looks bad, but I think they're better than that. I really do. Um, but Russell Martin is, is a philosophy manager, isn't he? And I think that when Swansea brought him in, they expected this to be one where they don't get relegated because they've got good enough players, but this is all about changing the identity of the team in a, in a dramatic way. And in that sense, he's, he is doing it, isn't he? And and I think they've been quite impressive at times. I also think Joel Perrault has been superb. It's it's now marrying the good football with winning football. It, it, that's the next step, isn't it? Can they turn the pretty stuff into winning stuff? And and I think they can in the long term. I really do. Need to have more shots on goal. No doubt about that. I think they've had the fifth fewest efforts. And get this for a stat. Only six Swansea City players have scored this season. Six. I mean, Fulham almost had that in one game at Reading the other night, didn't they? It's it's way too few. Barnsley, who are terrible, have had eight different goal scorers. So you need other guys to chip in. Maybe a little bit more encouragement for central midfielders to burst into the box to, to go and score goals. I don't know. There's got to be one or two tweaks, I think. But um, yeah, I'm not worried about Swansea, but but yeah, they could do with some wins. Yeah, I think signing Fisher is going to be a real important yeah. signing. You talk about lack of goals and goal scorers. I think that's spot on, Clarky. I think that's the big question mark, I suppose, about this type of football. You know, yes, it's easy on the eye. You know, yes, it's the modern way, but is it actually effective at winning football matches? But I think Fisher, having seen him play under Russell Martin at MK Dons and actually done a little bit of work around, you know, them, he's so important because he starts off attacks from the back. And I think that's an issue that they've had this season. You know, he's been asking, you know, the keepers earlier in the season to try and do things that I just don't think they were really comfortable with. So I think it's a real integral signing one that I think certainly now the club are backing Russell Martin to get the players that he wants to make them better. I think the fact they haven't played recently as well would allow him to get those ideas and identity across even more on the training ground. So I certainly expect now with that sign-in and the time they've had to work to start seeing an improved Swansea team in that second half of the season and building towards the future. 
so glad you brought it up. <laughs> You're not going to believe this. I was on the phone to um, to Russell Martin's agent <laughs> not long ago, probably about <laughs> half an hour ago. And you tried to get a move as well, Clarky. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll suit their style, Joby. I do. It doesn't matter. He's got long. massive release clause, by the way. Massive <laughs> release clause. Um, and he was saying the same thing about the goalkeeper. He was saying that this goalkeeper will make a, a tremendous difference. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And 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 I think it will help the the, the rest of the team play higher up the pitch. Um, because they have more confidence, I think this is a, this is a goalkeeper that that be more, you know, confident in in playing those passes into midfield where they start those start those moves from, um, and and also I think he's a better keeper than than Hamer and, and Bender as well. I think that has been a problem problem position. So that's that's that fix. They've fixed up the right wing back with Cyrus Christie, not as good as Ethan Laird in my opinion, but but still a you know decent Championship player. So um, yeah, they're putting the building blocks in place. I'm just really interested to see how far he goes with Fisher. If you saw him at MK Dons, there was times where he was actually on the pitch higher up than some of the centre-halves. It was actually like incredible at times. So I'd be really interested to see if he's that bold and brave with it. You know, he wanted to create an extra man with the goalkeeper, literally playing out on the pitch at times. So for, for people out there that maybe not have seen that at MK Dons, it's certainly something to keep an eye on in the second half of the season. Uh, right, let's bring in producer Abby, who's going to give us some odds on the games that we've just mentioned. Courtesy of Paddy Power, please. Yeah, we'll start with Huddersfield and Swansea, and it's really, really close between these two teams. Um, Huddersfield, slight favourites, six to four, and uh, Swansea are eight to five. If we head to Wales, uh, it is Blackburn who are the favourites, unsurprisingly. They are 29 to 20, with Cardiff nine to five. And if you fancy Ben Brereton Diaz as an anytime goal scorer, he is six to five. Who does not fancy that this season? Uh, right, we'll go to League One next. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. Portsmouth versus MK Dons is the first game we're going to have a look at, both in action in midweek. Pompey six points off the playoff pack, so a win here would be big for them. What have you made of them in recent weeks, JB? Have they got the quality to to cut that gap and, and get themselves into the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me... You know, Danny Cowley's done a a good job recently in terms of just making them a really effective team. Certainly, when you look at results, they've they've really really picked up. I think certainly he's touched on maybe losing a bit of intensity in the second half of the games, which he felt against Cambridge was a big factor in them them losing that. But I think overall, when you look at certainly the turnaround that he's managed to have there, I think that you know from my point of view, looking. At Portsmouth, there's certainly a team now that I see getting into those playoff places and, and cutting the gap, definitely. So MK currently in the playoff places, uh, albeit on goal difference after that aforementioned win against Wimbledon. Feels to me, though, Adrian, like it might all be about who they managed to keep for the rest of this month. We've spoken about Andy Fisher, BBC saying that was 400 grand. Uh, Scott Twine's been linked to Forrest as well. They, they can't afford to lose many more. Wow, Matt O'Reilly as well. Heavily linked with a move to Swansea City. One of the best players in League One for me, certainly among the best central midfield talent. So yes, there's, there are distractions, aren't there, for Liam Manning at MK at the moment. You've got to say, they're hard to beat, especially away from home. I think they've only lost three on the road this season. It's a bit like Swansea, isn't it? In terms of, we know that they'll play the good football, but can they translate that to winning football often enough I think they've made real steps forward this season but losing that goalkeeper as, as much as it's a boost for Russell Martin it's a bit of a choker isn't it for, for for MK so we'll see we'll see what happens there one one signing they've made that's really good I saw him at Sheffield Wednesday in the flesh 
uh, Theo Corbiano on on loan from Wolves. Really exciting player. I know he had a great debut in midweek. Just loves taking players on. And at Sheffield Wednesday, Darren Moore used him as a wing back on either side because he can play either side. And I thought he was excellent there, but he's 100% more of a winger than a fullback. So it was good to see him used um, as part of a front three um, with a wing back to combine with in their last game. So I think Corbiano will enjoy playing for NK Dons. And I think the fans will enjoy watching him. He's a, he's a proper old-fashioned winger and I really like those. And, and yeah, I think the supporters will enjoy it. Uh, Rotherham head to the coast, hoping they won't be subjected to repeated blarings of Captain Pugwash as the League One leaders face a Fleetwood side, just hoping to keep their heads above the metaphorical water. Uh, Fleetwood, Adrian, newish manager, getting some wins on the board, three of their last five, two points above the relegation zone. Are you feeling confident that there'll be a League One concern next season? It's got to be considered touch and go, I would say. They're, they're in the in the mire, aren't they? Um, they did beat Rotherham earlier this season, um, which was a, a rarity, a home defeat for the Millers 4-2. So they'll, they'll take a bit of confidence from that. Um, Ellis Harrison they brought in, haven't they? Um, up top, experienced goal scorer that, to replace Callum Morton, who's I think has ended up at Peterborough this week via his parent club. West Brom. So um, yeah, Ellis Harrison scored on his debut. So so maybe he'll find a, find a home at, at Fleetwood Town. For, for me, this game might be about set pieces. Um, both are joint top of the set piece scored league. 14, 14 set pieces they've scored each, which is remarkable really, isn't it? That's It shows how how important they are. And looking at this game from, from a kind of tactical perspective, if you can, it's the centre halves, Tom Clark, Callum Johnson. Are they are they going to be able to contain Michael Smith when the ammunition inevitably comes in from the flanks? Because their wing backs, uh, Rotherham, are, are are tremendous, and they will put in cross after cross. So so can they deal with the wide wide players? And in, and when the balls do come in, can Tom Clark and Callum Johnson handle Michael Smith? That 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 will decide the game. Uh, Rotherham beaten on their last visit to this part of the world, 1-0 at Accrington. Clarkie's got them pegged as League One champions. Joby, you agree with that? Anything going to make them stumble in the second half of the season? Um, I don't think it's as clear-cut as calling champions, particularly in League One. It's a real tough one to call. But, yeah, I think when you look at them, for me, you know, Paul Warren's just got the perfect blend at the moment of defensive structure and stability look at their defensive record which is absolutely outstanding you know least goals conceded and married up with that attacking threat primarily as Clarkie's already pointed out through the wing backs with the delivery but you know strikers to go and finish those opportunities off so listen I think it's the old cliche of whoever finishes above Rotherham I think will be getting promoted if anybody does I certainly feel that they've got everything in place at the moment of course, a little bit of distraction going around at the moment with Freddie Ladapo's transfer request, um, which to me was very, very strange timing. I think unless you've actually got something clearly nailed on that you feel, if I hand in this transfer request, I'm out the door the next day. I think it's a very risky strategy, certainly from him. I love the way that the manager's handled it. He's been very open like he normally is. He's come out, he's spoken about it. It is a situation they've got to deal with. As long as he keeps training well, I'll use him as and when I need to use him. And if something comes up and sooner rather than later that we feel is acceptable, we'll get the deal done and he's he's off. And I think that's the right way to approach. As much as you don't want to lose him, you don't want anything creeping in and, and starting distractions. They've been on a fantastic run. Only one defeat in the last 18 games, three of their losses this season came in the first six. That just goes to show how well and what a good run they're on. So I think that's the big thing to try and get done as soon as possible um, and then crack on from there really for them. Did you ever slap in a transfer request? Because it has to be slapped in, doesn't it? You can't like sort of hand it over. It has to be slapped onto the desk. It has to be a written note. Um, have you ever have you ever um, formulated one of those jobs? I don't, 
I'd like no, to have been I haven't. I, no, no, I was a little bit like uh, the Maguire situation. There's once or twice I wish I had, I've got to be honest. And I never quite got to that point. I, I sort of got told the only way a move would happen a couple of occasions was if I did do that. I always sort of hoped that dialogue and a bit of common sense would prevail. But in this game of ours, it never did. And I was kind of <laughs> stuck where I was. Uh, so in hindsight, maybe to speed things up or actually get deals done, it's something I could have done. But I would never have imagined doing it unless I felt whoever was interested was prepared to come in and get that deal done. Because you don't want to be hanging around the club. From a player's point of view, you've got all the other lads now going, what's going on? The fans, if he starts having poor games not producing the goods, that's going to be question marks as well. And again, you just don't want to be the reason that the wheels fall off. And if something starts going wrong, that's where everyone's going to be looking. So I don't envy him. It's a bold decision. Um, I hope for all parties it gets sorted out as quickly as possible and it doesn't derail what so far has been a magnificent season for them. The one time I slapped one in, um, I got banished to train on my own. <laughs> but it, it, but going on to what you just said there, I had already um, been made aware that there was a club that would take me. So I had, a, I had something lined up, but I just had to wait wait it out basically but yeah it was um yeah i i it took a lot for, for me to get to the stage where you where you where you slap one in how long did it take between putting it in and, and getting the move um five weeks i did a month they, they forced wow. me to go on loan yeah yeah five weeks yeah, yeah. so you weren't training on so, your own for five weeks they kicked you out and sent you somewhere i trained on i trained on my own for two or three and then i went on loan for about three weeks and then um and then the move happened. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, just the way it happens. Can, I cancelled my contract sometimes. Yeah. It's the, it's the last thing you want to do, but sometimes it gets to a situation where you just got to do it to get away. So, uh, League two wise, no doubt about the standout fixture. It's Northampton against Forest Green Rovers at Sixfield. Third place cobblers against the leaders. Uh, must win for Northampton if they've got designs on catching FGR, Adrian, isn't it? 11 points behind them. Yeah, but have they have they are they that bothered about the title? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think it's all about top three, isn't it, and maintaining their push for that, and that is wide open. So it, it's almost as if Northampton have to put to bed everything that's gone before and and start the season from here. It kind of is like a start a restart for them because they they had you know, no games for so long. It's not been the best restart. They've lost a couple of games, but what I saw in the in the defeat to Crawley in the second half was a reaction. Um, I think in the end, they had 17 shots to Crawley's three. It was a bit of an onslaught. So, so yeah, that would have helped them coming into this game. But, but yeah, I, I don't know if anyone can catch, catch Forest Green. It's, um, yeah, it's about Northampton competing with the others, the, the, the Tramiers, the, you know, the, the Mansfields potentially moving forward. Uh, so that leads me to the question then, Joby. What, if anything, is going to stop <laughs> FGR from going up? No, nothing at all. As much as I'm not prepared to stick my neck out at League One level, League Two, I'm happy to to do that. <laughs> and certainly for me, you know, a team that is getting promoted full stop and going to win the league. I think when you look at the gap, not just everyone looks at the gap to second, it is down to fourth place, really, which at the moment is is 12 points and... I fully, fully expect them to be runaway winners this season. They've been absolutely incredible. We've we've spoken about Rotherham and and their wing backs. You know, Forest Green certainly rivaling them for the most important players in a team. You know, absolutely incredible stats when you think that a, a right wing back's got nine assists in in Kane Wilson, Nicky Cadden, not far behind him with five and six goals, and again two strikers that are on absolute fire. So. Again, you know, great job by everyone down there. And I fully expect Forest Green to, to win at a canter this season. Uh, let's bring back producer Abby. She's going to give us some odds on those games. Uh, presumably FGR start as favourites, even as the away team. 
You are just so insightful. Uh, yes, they are. They are 13 to 10. There you go. Um, mm-hmm. With the cobblers and the draw coming in at 21 to 10. I was uh, asking the Twitter hive mind this week, when does a team become a runaway leader? And uh, the general consensus was uh, around 10 points. So FGR, runaway leaders, they are four to one on now to win that title. So uh, I imagine it won't be long before Paddy Power aren't taking bets on that anymore. As for League One, we've been looking at Portsmouth MK. Um, I fancy a 1-1 draw between these two. That comes in at 5-1. to one. The draw overall, 23-10. to 10. Portsmouth are 6-5 to five and MK are 2-1 uh, to one to win that game. And Fleetwood and Rotherham, if you fancy another 4-2 to Fleetwood, um, that's 70-1. to one. So, you know, could... <laughs> could happen um uh, michael (laughs) michael smith is (laughs) 11 to 2 to score two or more goals in this game uh rather obviously the favorites nine to four on and fleetwood are five to one very quickly on forest green um the only caveat and i I agree with joby the only caveat is that they've not played any of the current top eight away from home yet so i mean they're unbeaten away from home but in effect the eight toughest matches of the season are yet to play for Forest Green. So I don't know. Hold fire maybe on, on back and who's going to back them at that price anyway? It's it's not really backable, is it? So Clarkie's not putting the mortgage on the one to four on FGR to go up, nor should you listener. But you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. <laughs> Uh, speaking of fun, before we go, uh, Rotherham are offering supporters the chance to make your name a permanent feature with a personalised commemorative plaque at the ACL New York Stadium. Supporters wishing to purchase one of our plaques have two options available. Option one, available for £100, allowing a message of 16 characters. Option two, £175, but you get 32 characters. It leads me to ask the obvious question. Uh, you can decide whether you're paying the extra 75 quid, but anywhere at an EFL ground, I'm going to let you put a commemorative plaque. What are you? Where are you putting it and what does it say? Uh, Joby, you can go first. Well, I had to have a hard, long think about this one and something actually popped up, which I found quite amusing for me. So I hope people out there might find it funny. But I remember my second spell at Orient and we were in a National League. So you go to some pretty unglamorous places at times with the greatest respect, maybe a Braintree away on a Tuesday night or somewhere like that. And it was cold and dark and... You get a bit of stick, obviously, going to away grounds. Obviously, a player that's played a little bit at a higher level. And there's one in particular that really stood out once. And fans shouted, oh, no, you're mac enough. So I've turned around and really calmly. It wasn't like dog's abuse. He just went, he looked at me. I could look at it. I could see him at those grounds. like, And he just looked at me, sort of put his hands up. And he went, what happened to you? You used to be really good at football. What are you doing here? And I just sort of ran off, had a little chuckle to myself because I often ask myself the same question that season. So for me, that was uh, one of those moments that will always stick with me. So we actually did all right at Orient in the end. So probably underneath a little picture of me uh, holding the trophy aloft after we'd won it, little plaque saying, Joby used to be half decent. Mackinac underneath it would do for me. But <laughs> well, that would enhance nice. Brisbane Road. Um, no end. Uh, right, Adrian, I'm going, obviously, City Grounds, all caps, sign Jed Spence. Uh, what about you? <laughs> it might it might date quickly. That's the only issue I'd say there. Uh, <laughs> I've got a bit emotional here, actually. I've paid the extra 75. Um, I've gone 175. I'm going to Portman Road. And it's the place where I watched my first ever professional match. So um, I would put AC 21.2.81. That's the date where it all began. There you go. That's what that's where I put. Very nice. Um, I tell you the game. It was Ipswich three walls one. Just I just love reminiscing about this. Gates Walk and Beatty scored for Ipswich. Andy Gray, he of commentary fame. Scored um, scored for Wolves. It was just a golden era. And that day, because I've looked back at it, Ipswich went top of the first division, which is basically top of the Premier League. So, um, yeah, it's where it all began for me in terms of the sort of love affair with football. Do you remember your first game as a fan, Joby? 
I do actually. I went to watch Portsmouth against Derby County. So a lot of my family are from Pompey, massive, massive Pompey fans. Um, I remember my auntie taking me when I was a little tiddler uh, to Fratton Park and it was a night game. I just remember the the stadium, the atmosphere, the floodlights being on, the smell. And that was it. I was like, I was hooked after that. And it was uh, still a place that I loved going to play football. Brilliant atmosphere. One of the best supported clubs in the country for me by by a mile. Um, mine was like Clarkie's in, in an exercise in setting unrealistic expectations for the rest of your life. 1990, Forest 4, Man United nil. I mean, why I ever went to another game after that? I have no idea. Um, listener, thank you very much for your company today. Many thanks too to Adrian, to Joby and to producer Abby and to Elias for joining us earlier as well. We'll be back on Monday reacting to all the big news and notes in the EFL from the weekend. Do join us then if you can. For now though, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.